Ladies and gentlemen, it's a hot one. Welcome one and all to the latest and greatest Nick's Nonfiction here with your host, Nick Muniz. Today on the show, we have got Lawrence R. Bergen's Over the Edge of the World. This might be the 180th episode, but today we're circumnavigating 360 degrees. One of the biggest lies we're taught as children, there's a lot of them. One of the biggest ones is that there's nothing left to explore. Generation after generation, guys keep pushing the boundaries. Nick, what are you talking about? Did you see this one? February 21st, Japan discovered 7,000 new islands in the Pacific. What, did the satellite balloon miss that one? We're not talking about Lumeria or Atlantis, any of that shit today. Hit up the Patreon. We're talking about sailing the open ocean and why there are so many restrictions. How come if you go below the 60th parallel, you get put in international prison? U.S. and Russia about to go to nuclear war. Nobody's allowed below the 60th parallel. I don't know. It takes some serious balls to question what other people won't question and even bigger balls to go where other people won't go. That's the spirit of the show. I get to try out my fucking sailor's voice. This is our first ever pirate book. Most seamen were in their teens or 20s. Anyone who had reached his 30s was considered a veteran scallywag. By the time he had survived to that age, he had seen what life at sea had held. Brutality, loneliness, disease. He had experienced flashes of camaraderie and heroism, as well as persistent dishonesty and callousness. He knew of all the avarians of shipowning, the uncomprehending indifference of kings under whose flags the expedition sailed, and the tyranny of captains. Yark. <laughs> yo ho, yo ho. Yo ho, come sit on this dick. <laughs> Let's go. A pirate book? This is all about mutinies. What is a pirate charge for a corn on the cob? About a buccaneer. <laughs> kind of pirate pees on you? R. Kelly. Why can't pirates use sign language? Because the hook makes everything sound like a question. Quote, Many of the men went to sea simply to escape. Some were fleeing jail, hanging, or torture. Other were avoiding debtor's prison once they obtained a berth on ship. It's a bunch of freaking outlaws. How come pirates don't ride rivers? Scurvy. <laughs> Intense story. The straits still eluded them, but God willing, they would find it and reach the Spice Islands. Did you hear about the weekly poker game with Vasco da Gama, Christopher Columbus, Lee Erickson, and Francisco Pizarro? They can never beat the Straits of Magellan. <laughs> yes. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. Okay. $19 Fortnite card. About the author Lawrence R. Bergen. Harry shit on Instagram, patreon.com slash the niche. A dollar you could join for. Quote, after graduating from Harvard University in 1972, Bergen worked in journalism, academia, and broadcasting before publishing his first biography. How do you tell someone went to Harvard? You don't have to. They're going to tell you. What do a Harvard lawyer and a Yale lawyer have in common? They both got accepted to Yale. <laughs> a Texan visits Harvard. He meets a student and asks, Say there, you know where the bathroom's at? The student replies, Sir, here at Harvard, we speak properly and certainly don't end our sentences in prepositions. The Texan replies, Okay, where's the bathroom at, asshole? <laughs> Gaddy. 
goddamn city slickers. Lawrence of Arabia, this guy Lawrence Berger, he wrote a book in 1994 called Capone, The Man in the Era. This book is from 2003. 2011, he wrote Columbus, The Four Voyages. Then 2016, Casanova, The World of a Seductive Genius. What's the difference between Caesar and Casanova? Caesar said, I came, I saw, I conquered. Casanova said, I saw, I conquered. Oh, I fucking came. We'll be right back. (laughs) Chapter 1, Over the Edge of the World, Man Without a Country. Fernand de Magalhes, or Ferdinand Magellan, according to most accounts, he was born in 1480 in the remote mountain parish of Sabrosa, the seat of the family homestead. He spent his childhood in northern Portugal within sight of the pounding surf of the Atlantic. This kind of pissed me off. He was born around. So it's all speculative off the bat. Nobody knows where Ferdinand Magellan was born. History, more than 200, 300 years ago, is fantasy here on Nick's Nonfiction. That's how we're going to treat it today. Iron Man might show up, the jolly green giant. If history isn't your thing, I picked this book for several reasons. Most important, Ferdinand Magellan, this guy liked exploration and rebellion. And instead of pirates, he should have probably like taken urbexers on board. Those are the people you Bradley Garrett, explore everything. Uh, Captain Ferdinand, why am I seasick? When do we get to climb a skyscraper? Quote, the division of the world colonization in 1494 by Pope Alexander VI was underway until the finalization of 1506 of the Treaty of Tordesillas, Tortilla, which establishes a vertical north-south line granting territories to the west of to Spain and to the east of Portugal. I think I just mixed that up. The line was at 46 degrees, 30 degrees west, 30, 370, de- 370 leagues west of Cape Verde. Okay, author Bernard here, are you trying to lose people? You crammed five coordinates and ten sea fathoms into the first paragraph. Are you high? What the fuck are these authors on? Are they trying to confuse you? Quote, there was some confusion over whether the line continues to the other side of the world, not to mention the impossibility of determining longitude at this time. The extent of the Pacific Ocean was still unknown. Could have just said that, buddy. But this fucko doing... Slipknots here. He made me look into prime meridians. You know that bullshit that we say is in Geneva? It used to be in Paris. And at this time in history, the early 1500s, you know, Spain, they were pimping out Africa. My point is that they were trying to get the prime meridian and move it into the Iberian Peninsula. So a couple of these dipshit kings just can't work together, Spain and Portugal, and they're going to make it so Spain is irrelevant for the rest of history. Did you know? 1678 to 1884, Prime Meridian was in Paris. So I'm saying every few hundred years, we reinvent what we think the center is. And like, I'm always ahead of the curve on this shit. That's why it just sounds crazy or you might not understand it. I'm talking to the YouTube audience. Daylight savings is fake, okay? (laughs) They just canceled it. I've been saying this for years. Ben Franklin came up with it in 1784 so people would buy more candles. What the fuck are we doing? You have to question history. And now they just got rid of daylight. Said, okay, so does the moon go faster now? Start questioning shit, people. <laughs> Quote, 
the trade in precious species cloves, nutmeg, mace, cinnamon, but also pepper, myrrh, frankincense, cassia, was monopolized by the Arabs and other middlemen in whose hands the goods increased many times in price before reaching Europe. So if you went to school in America, you heard this story at least five times. Europeans are so obsessed with spices that we had to send Christopher Columbus out. And no one existed in America before that. Natives only. Quote, Exploration proceeded beyond Cape Bojador in West Africa by Gil Enos in 1434, initiating the Age of Discovery. 1488. Bartholomew Diaz reaches the southernmost tip of Africa, Cape Good Hope. Vasco da Gama, the guy in the poker game, sails around it and reaches the west coast of India. That was in the 1490s, so Magellan is after Gama. They don't got any Suez canals yet. Just a bunch of dudes who are trying to find hidden waterways. Born around 1480 in Sabrosa, around, Magellan belonged to a family of nobility and wealth. <laughs> I don't even need to look into the details. He was a rich kid. How do you even get a king to give you a boat? His father, Pedro de Mahagalis, was the mayor of Sabrosa. Magellan first set sail at the age of 25, enlisting in the 7th Indian Armada, tasked with securing Portuguese naval dominance over the Indian Ocean. Over the next decade, Magellan participated in a number of battles, including the successful conquest of the Malaysian state of Malacca. His military successes led to a major promotion, and he received a significant amount of plunder from the Portuguese Navy conquests. So you got your hero origin story. We could end the vignette flashback and get to the present. Around 1514, however, Magellan fell out of favor with Manuel I after taking a leave of absence without permission. Around this time, Magellan devoted his efforts to investigating a westward route to the Indian Ocean, avoiding the need to sail around the southern tip of Africa. This fucking dumbass King Manuel I. I have a great leader here. I'm going to give him the worst pirates because he can lead anybody. Like, I don't know if the American military figured this out. You give the best general the best men. There, people are going to die. So King Manuel sabotaging the mission from day one. Magellan, after one vacation, the king tried to kick him out of the kingdom. <laughs> so he goes to Spain. You know, these people know how to nap. Magellan travels a whopping 20 miles across the border, talks to the king of Spain. Yo, King Charles, those Portuguese, those drugged-up addicts, they kicked me out because I took a vacation. Spain and Portugal think they could fucking change the time zone of the world, and neither of them are going to hire an expeditioner. Whatever. Quote, Charles I agreed, and on September 20th, 1519, five ships with a total combined crew of 270 men set out from Spain with about two years' worth of supplies. But they have some trouble leaving the Mediterranean. Manuel of Portugal, he's butthurt. He's not going to let them get through the straits. So now he's, like, hiding out in Seville. He goes to a couple other islands. Gang of goons find him at one point, and they beat him to near death. Don't even take his wallet. So Magellan is like, there's definitely hitmen after me. Manuel knows where I am. Charles, get the fucking ship ready. They're still loading it with provisions. Food, hardtacks, wine, salt, vinegar. Objections are made to the non-Spanish crew members, but nevertheless, Magellan takes aboard 40 Portuguese, including his relatives. Alvarero de Mesquita, Cristóbal Rebelo. That's like his illegitimate son. But this Mosquito guy is going to come back. The Venetian scholar Antonio Pigafetta 
is taken as a supernumerary, he will create the best chronicle of the voyage. <laughs> That's sick. What do we call those people in the courtroom? A typist? I want to be a supernumerary. Magellan writes his will before he leaves. It's a famous line in that one. I shall leave feeling dignified to have dishonored Portugal. Chapter 2. Come sail away. Come. I should have spelt it with C-U-M. On August 10th, 1519, the fleet begins to sail from Sevilla with 257 men on board. So already like 30 guys chickened out. The first obstacle is trying to avoid the Moorish pirates patrolling the Straits of Gibraltar. They make it to the sea September 20th, 1519. In the open ocean, men start discussing mystical threats. More importantly, they start talking about the notes of Pliny the Elder. Pliny. He was a researcher out of Naples when Vesuvius blew up. He wrote German and Roman history books, and Magellan was all on this when he was in the military. Quote, Pliny verified little of what he wrote, so... <laughs> well, we're just going to believe all of it? He verified little. Among the marvels, he described their monstrous races in far-off evil places. Evil-eyed Illyrians, one-legged monocly, and animal-human hybrids. So this is why Magellan loved this guy's work. It was so outside the box that he made Magellan want to sail around the world. Quote, He wrote about people with backward-facing feet, others with 16 toes, and people who communicated with barks. Monsters particularly congregated off the islands of India and Ethiopia. He also described the boy who rode to and from school on a dolphin's back and a gigantic skeletal remain and the mythical hunter of Orion. Whatever, he's talking about more land off of India. You could try to make some Lumeria connections if you hit the Pacific Ocean with LIDAR. There's a gigantic continent, like a sunken continent. They used to call it Mew. He also mentions how, like, there's distortions of Madagascar on old and new maps. Fucking Marty and Alex the Zebra. Nah, but look this shit up. Greenland is depicted as the same size as Africa. Greenland has, like, 800,000 square miles. Africa, 11 million. Africa has 11 million square miles. Like, <laughs> maps are fucked, son. Quote, Pliny described petrified shark teeth as Gloucester tray, tongue stones, and wrote of the octopus, no animal is more savage in causing the death of a man in the water. Giant octopus? I'm down for it. It's probably all legend. Pliny was saying that <laughs> he told Chinese bald men to rub dung on their hair and it would grow back. <laughs> so he's just the best shit poster in history. He made people post shit on their head. Magellan. He starts telling tales of Prester John. He was this Christian king who did his own missionaries in India and Asia. And he basically went apocalypse now. <laughs> he left the Vietnam War and turned a bunch of locals into hardcore Christians. So these are Magellan's heroes. They make it to the Canary Islands, get ripped off by a bunch of local merchants. He's thinking, I'm going to need more funding if all the locals are trying to rip off us the whole time. So he considers sending word back to Charles. But instead, they get message there that King Manuel is after him. So it's like there's no going back at this point. 
Manuel, he sent two of his fastest fleets with the best Castilian captains. <laughs> it was October 3rd, 1519, and they just start booking it back out to sea. That's pretty fucking crazy. The king didn't want to explore, but he would waste his fastest fleets in a time of war to go after some random explorer. Magellan said he saw a St. Elmo's fire on October 10th, which he took as a sign. And then the pursuing fleet, he's like, they're never going to catch our fat, our path now. Super religious back then. And one of the big decisions he made at this time, instead of going straight to Brazil, he goes down the coast of Africa. So they post up there basically until December. And again, the goal being to throw off the Portuguese armada. Quote, Antonio Salomon is bought before a court-martial and condemned to death for sodomizing a cabin boy. These scallywags on board are <laughs> getting a bit ornery. They have another crew member choke him to death. The fucking idiots on board, they're starting to get ideas. While the ships are becalmed, the future mutineers hatch their plot. Captains Cartagena, Quesado, Mendoza... And it's not going to be the Santiago's Captain Serrano. That guy stays loyal. The first act of defiance came when Cartagena refused to take orders from Magellan. But his co-conspirators would not back him up. So Magellan knew something was bubbling up. And the leader of the rebellion is Cartagena. And Magellan wrote in his diary, This is about mutinying against the crown. We're all on the same t team here. <laughs> Nobody else sees it. Against his own better interest, Magellan sets sail to Rio. And they're leaving Africa. One of the rapist's friends jumped ship last minute. So Magellan looks back and there's guys being thrown overboard. <laughs> they probably tell all those crew members, yeah, Magellan pulled us too. Let's riot against him. They're already down to 250 men. December 13th, 1519, they arrive in Rio and Magellan relieves Cartagena of duty. Chapter 3, The Crucible of Leadership. They're making their way down the coast, try to head up some, like, Argentina rivers, thinking it's going to cut across the continent. Unsuccessful. One of the rivers, El Rio de Plata. Magellan's ships are approaching, and Indian canoes sail up on the side. They start telling Magellan to leave. That's pretty ballsy. A couple dudes in a canoe telling the Spanish fleet to get lost. Action starts picking back up. They sail past 40 degrees latitude. It's known for severe water and weather. The Victoria's hull is damaged, and they have to stop in San Matias Gulf. Who the fuck is living there? They're able to get their ship repaired. February 23rd, 1520, they make it down to Baja Balanca. This is in Argentina. Still nowhere near the Straits of the Pacific. They're encountering penguins, sea lions, sea elephants. Like, the book turns into a fluff piece, basically. It's row 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 your boat <laughs> so I had to go to fucking historychannel.com which we know to take all of their content with a boulder of salt this is directly from historychannel.com while anchored near modern day Las Grutas Magellan's men reported encountering 8 foot tall men on the beaches 8 foot tall after befriending these giants Magellan supposedly tricked them into boarding his ship and took one of the men captive the giant was later baptized and named Paul. 
Historians have surmised that Magellan's giants were in actuality members of the Tehueleke, a naturally tall tribe. Okay, so they're layering on the salt. While Magellan's men almost certainly exaggerated the height of Telweche, the myth of Patagonia giants would persist for many years. Boo! So I know, you guys are normal, so you're thinking like, well, the salt is that there were giants. Of course they were just abnormally tall Indians. Sounded pretty clear. <laughs> and like, why are all of his fucking diary notes redacted then? Probably would have been a good reference in this book. But whatever. Two months go by. They almost make it down to the southern tip of Argentina. This is when the second mutiny goes down. April 1st, 1520. Three of the five ships turned against Magellan. April 1st and it wasn't even a fool's prank. They tied up all of Magellan's supporters while they were asleep. A fair fight. <laughs> As it goes, Magellan learns he is to be killed and craftily assesses the loyalty of his captains, Queso, Mendoza, and Elcano. Queso boards the San Antonio, takes control, and places Mosquito in irons. The boats are split two and two, and a fucking pirate battle breaks out. Yarg! Lower the plank! Hand me my blunderbuss. You guys are swinging off of ropes from one ship to the other. One guy rips out someone's throat with his hook. <laughs> Mendoza is slain. They reclaim the conception. So then the Trinidad's the only boat left. They block it upriver so that there's nowhere left to go. Mendoza's body is drawn and quartered, and body parts, including the skull, impaled on spits for others to see for several months. That's what I'd call a Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Yeah, One of the guys, San Martin, he went under a form of torture called strapado. His limbs were disjointed, and they threw him on a beach, marooned him to die with dislocated joints. <laughs> Forty men are sentenced to death. <laughs> they wept like babies, so Magellan just kicked them off the boat. It's a pretty sick story. The Crucible of Leadership. Let's go to chapter 4, The Dragon's Tale. The crew recuperates in Santa Cruz. With storms on the horizon, they stop to take in fish. October 21st, 1851, they pull up on what we call today the Straits of Magellan. He's got 10 through Ace, a Magellan Strait. Bunch of land there. He names a bunch of new stuff. Tierra del Fuego for an island he saw a fire on. There's these deep blue glaciers. Holanada. It's no match for what he calls the Cape of 11,000 Virgins. That's where I'm going on vacation. Smaller mutinies are taking place. And it's probably because they saw giants and they want to run home to mommy. How are all these people mutinying? Mesquita, captain of the San Antonio, he's even asking to go back. And while sailing around one of the giant islands, Mesquite was like, we're going to take our boat to the east side and you guys go west. We'll meet back up on the other side of the island. Magellan waits half a day before he's like, Did this, are they lost? And the San Antonio turned back to Spain. What the fuck are you doing? He spends another week looking for them. November 28th, 1520. They're down to 200 men. Three ships. It's time to cross the big one, the Pacifico. And they say he named it Mar Pacifico, <laughs> the beautiful sea. 
Uh, little does he know he's about to spend 98 days with this lover. What are you going to take, the marital love of Mar Pacifico or the island of 11,000 virgins? <laughs> they went north of Easter Island, the Marshall Islands, Tahiti. Dudes are getting scurvy. Everybody's tormented by thirst and hunger. We're going faster this because no one will beat Louis Zamparelli. 40 days on a raft, tossing grenades in sharks' mouths. Let's go. The first island that they encounter is San Pablo. And it winds up being inaccessible. They reach another inaccessible island, part of Micronesia, on February 4th, 1521. And then come the Marianas Islands, March 6th. 7,000 miles in less than 100 days. That's what everybody was scared of, the big Pacific. Boys drop anchor in Guam. The Chamarro natives act friendly. So Magellan's inviting them all on board. They start looting the ship and jumping over. Magellan tries to set sail, but the ship's skiff is missing. <laughs> he orders a landing party to burn their huts and attack the natives in the night. <laughs> Before he left, he tried to give a name to Guam that didn't stick through the years. He called it the Island of Many Thieves. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> March 16, 1521, they land in the Philippines. Magellan called it a digression of Chinese and Arab culture. This guy's working on his tight five. Some of the tribes offer gifts, but remember Magellan's hero was that Christian king in China, so he's going to want to make him the gift. I'm here to give you the gift of salvation. So he tries to put some crosses up on the Limwasa Island, and they run him off the beach like friggin' Captain Jack Sparrow. Chapter 5 the final battle not the final chapter to make things less confusing they're on an island called Cuba in the Philippines on April 7th of 1521 Magellan hasn't learned his lesson he tries to baptize the local king King Hummabub Hummabum I'm calling him Hubbub. at first the king was like only I have the Hubbubba gum <laughs> King Hubbubub he was saying, like, if your ships want to pass through, we demand a tribute. Pay us. Magellan says we don't have anything. So he cuts his hand with a knife and then offers up a blood brother. And King Hubbubub reciprocates. You now have super aids. <laughs> the village has a big feast. Magellan tells them the story of Jesus. He walked through the desert for 40 days. He performed miracles. He came back to death. The world's biggest empire couldn't catch him. King Hubbub is like, yo, wait up a minute. Did you just make up all of this? Magellan's like, yeah, I wrote that story. <laughs> Plagiarizing the Bible. The villagers are going crazy. They start praising him. That night, the king did a ceremonial baptism. So even King Hubbub is like, I'm all on board. That was the dopest story ever. The following week, 2,200 villagers were baptized. One of the terminally sick villagers got better, so everybody is sold. Magellan spends another week on the island having sex with the hottest women. He's in no rush. Then a step further, he requires everyone to burn all of their old religious symbols. No dream catchers, no beads, no totem poles. He's feeling high and mighty. Everything's going his way. And then next, he starts taking a liking to King Hummabub's wife, <laughs> Sula. The king is like, all right, bro, enough's enough. I want you gone. Sula's mine. 
and after a handful of mutinies, Magellan hasn't learned enough about loyalty. The following day, he declares war. 200 men versus the Lapu-Lapu. It's like the Portuguese version of the 300. For Lisbon! April 27, 1521. The Battle of Mactan goes down. Like He should have just left. <laughs> the natives, they have a valley there that they've been fortifying for 100 years. And Magellan is ready to march straight into their trap. Everybody's questioning his judgment. On the way in, Magellan burns down a small village. That'll show them. Yeah, but now they know our position. They march on, encounter a small holdout. They squash him. They think it's going to be easy. Men are marching further up into the valley. And then they hear... A giant native war cry. 1,500 Lapu-Lapu trap them in the canyon from behind. There's literally no reliable details in the book. I was pissed. This is a, There was a sentence. Magellan was killed after he was struck by a spear and then repeatedly stabbed by the islanders' cutlers and simultars. And so I, I wanted more information. This just sounds like the Mark Twain book when he's talking about Captain Cook getting his heart gouged out. So I go on Google. They also have one sentence. On April 27, 1521, Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan was killed by a poison arrow. Hold up, hold up. So Google says he got killed by a fucking arrow, but this academic piece on history says he got stabbed a thousand times in the gut. So who the fuck is lying? And I'm saying with chat GBT, you know they're just testing the new Google. It's a search algorithm. They're only going to come up with one sentence. Google search results is, this is how Magellan died. And then you read a book and it says he got cut. Bitch! This is when Iron Man came down from fucking Thanos' planet. <laughs> like, what do we know happened here? Did he get shot by an arrow or did he get stabbed? I like to think the natives released caged hungry jaguars on all the pilgrims. Fucking Ghost Rider rolls up on his motorcycle, chokes out King Hubbub with his chain, fucking goes 300 and kicks him off of a, a cliff. I don't know why I'm on Magellan's side here. The natives use some, like, ancient summon to bring Mosquito back from the dead. <laughs> I don't know, man. The fucking natives have angry birds catapults in the back of the canyon. <laughs> Every big battle has to have a finisher. Paul the Giant is released from his cage and starts stomping on the natives. Ant-Man, Captain America, they're all going at it. <laughs> is the final battle is history pictured in your mind with a dope soundtrack. And nobody knows where he was born, nobody knows how he died, but trust us. Fucking Coltrane from Gears of War shows up with the Hammer of Dawn. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Magellan's men started to dwindle, 175, 120. Leonidas from the 300 shows up. <laughs> Yeah, they say there were only 150 men who survived. You mean surrendered. Chapter 6, Aftermath. I don't think anybody really cares about the story after the hero dies. You know, 115 men and no Magellan. Who cares? So there weren't enough guys to pilot all three chips. Chips, they're riding lays through the Atlantic. They abandoned the conception that's pretty dope. To the spoils of war go the victor. So King Hummabub has a 
West European ship. The fleet sailed off in the Trinidad and the Victoria in search of the Maluka Islands in present-day Indonesia. It took them six months to find Indonesia, and the guys are all fucking battle-hardened. So instead of going back to Europe, they stay there and become pirates. They just start ripping off Chinese merchants, rubbing poo on their heads. <laughs> November, they reach Malukas, and one of the ships goes back to Spain in December. Yeah, the Trinidad is the one that stayed behind. Victoria is the only one in the story that makes it. One of the interesting things in the Indies, they still had scouts looking for them. Like the Portuguese Armada, they didn't give up in the Atlantic Ocean. They're still looking for Magellan. Wild. Captained by Juan Sebastio Elcano, the Victoria set sail on December 21st, 1521. They reached the Horn of Africa in May of 1522, Running out of food, 20 men died of starvation. How? You're in an ocean. Go fishing. <laughs> While they were trying to buy food in Cape Verde, Portuguese soldiers captured 13 more crewmen. Crewmates. When the imposter is sus. Stop posting about Among Us! Among Us. Yeah, the crewmates are still getting captured. They're very much wanted. The ones who got away reached Spain September 6th of 1522. Only 18 of the 270 men who set out on the voyage returned. Espinosa was put in Spanish jail. It's a different guy than Spinoza. And King Charles of Spain, he sold out the remaining 17 crewmen to King Manuel of Portugal. So even if you make it back, you're fucked. The kings don't care about your little expedition. You broke their rules. <laughs> the men who turned back to sea with the Victoria, like they had a better chance at surviving than walking straight into the king's dominion. What would you do? Are you Team Magellan or King Hummabub? <laughs> it's a pretty fun one. I want to thank you guys for coming along for the voyage over the edge of the world by Lawrence Bergen. Let me know what you guys think. Harry shit on Instagram for some free memes. We getting censored like a man without a country over there. No matter. Nothing can stop the silliness. <laughs> Patreon.com slash the niche. Support for as low as a dollar. Well worth the amount of entertainment you're going to get. Let's get a random soundboard effect to end. Edition 180. Not funny. Didn't laugh. Well, I hope that's not true. <laughs> Love you guys. Nick Muniz signing off. See you in seven short days. Peace!